Alrighty, the first step. So we got we got Battletown Bob and Battletown Brenda out there, and they come and we pray for them, and they come to place them under the the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, and then we connect with them. They come to church, they get saved. We baptize them. The problem with the Baptist church is we act like once a person gets baptized. We're done with them. It's on them to come every Sunday. It's on them to, to get through the times when Satan attacks them and all that. We're not done with them. That is a beginning. That's not an end. That's when discipleship comes into play and kicks in. So somebody's got to pick up the mantle of discipleship. So Terry and Sam come to, come to Brother Bob and say, You know, we know Battletown Bob and Battletown Brenda, and we want to disciple them. Go for it. They've been selected. Because what was the very first thing Jesus did? He chose from among them 12. And then he had an inner circle of three within the 12. Then the second thing, if you'll remember, Jesus did was association. What did he do? When we get into the Great Commission, he said, And I will be with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You spend time with them. You have a structured, organized get-together time, whether it's a Dairy Queen eating uh, sausage gravy and biscuits every Saturday morning with Bob, uh, Battletown Bob for 10 o'clock, to sit down with them, make sure Satan's going to attack them. They just got saved. He can't take the salvation back, but what he wants to do is damage control. Do you all realize how every Baptist church in Meade County today ought to be full and having two services just with their memberships? Just on their memberships. The Southern Baptist Church has fallen from an average in 1975 of 62% of members in church every Sunday morning to down 28%. Less than a third of the memberships are in church now. You know what we did poorly? We did not disciple. And that's proof. That is proof. And then the next thing Jesus did was consecration. He got a commitment from them. Come follow me. Don't go home to bury your daddy. Don't go home to have a farewell party. Don't go home to check on the farm that you're going to buy that you haven't even checked on yet. Come follow me. And then the fourth part was impartation. Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Filled them. He gave away the most precious thing he had to give a new disciple. The Spirit of God. Then last week we talked about demonstration. Jesus set before them an example on how to pray, how to how important learning the Bible and learning the scriptures and 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 and, and uh, memorizing them and giving them away was. And today we're going to talk about what's next, as uh, Brother Trevor already alluded to in the opening this morning. We're going to be talking about demonstration, uh, delegation, supervision. So Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, that's our text this morning, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. I want you to go fishing. I want you to get out of the church walls, get out there where the sinners are, and go fishing. How many of you, well, I know I heard that Bill and Stephanie probably could have gone fishing inside their house last night, and I know Kara and uh, Ricky could have fished in their basement last night, but outside of Six inches of rain on a Saturday night in Meade County. 
How many normal days do you have that you can go fishing in your basement? How many of y'all, if you don't have a basement, can go fishing inside your house? Not your fish bowl. Do not catch your goldfish. Come on. I'm talking about real fish. I'm talking about the prize-winning catfish. You have to leave the house to go fishing, right? That's the point. You have to leave the house to go fishing. Well, guess what? In the spiritual realm, you have to leave the house to go fishing. The fish are out there. Jesus said, go. Guess what? Everybody knows the Great Commission, but Jesus also gave three other commissions before the Great Commission. He didn't give the Great Commission until after what? He had been risen. After he had resurrected. But he gave three commissions to his disciples before he even died on the cross. And in all four of the commissions Jesus gave, he used a Greek word. It's the tenth of ten uh, tenses in the Greek. It's called divocative tense. Now, if I look at Robin, and I look at her, I say, Robin, go. Would you, would you go out there and do that, please? Sounds like I'm begging, doesn't it? But would, would you go whenever you get time? Could you? But if I was her mama, and I looked at young Robin, I said, go! What would you do? You'd go. That's the tense of verse Jesus used in his four commissions when he looked at his disciples. He didn't ask them to go. Going is not optional, church. If you choose not to go, you are in open disobedience and rebellion before Jesus Christ. He didn't ask you to go. It's not an option. It is the heartbeat and the passion of Jesus' heart. Go. You teenagers, as you are going... Bring some more teenagers in. Adults, as you are going on your job and out in society at Cox's and McDonald's and, and Mr. Gaddy's at Kroger Gas Pump, you run into people who are in church as you are going, bring them in. But go. And then Jesus delegated to them things to do. Jesus gave his disciples jobs to do. Feed. The disciples around Jesus went out and they found the food to feed the whole disciple band before they'd have their meal. So they were assigned doing that. They were assigned, listen to the things Jesus assigned them to do. John 4, 2 says he'd assigned them to, decide, to baptize converts. Why would Jesus give the disciples the job of baptizing people? There were too many of them for him to baptize. Can you imagine on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people got saved and baptized? Could you imagine one minister baptizing 3,000 people? It ain't getting done that day. And after about 30, I'd be worn out. Really, after about three really big women, I'd be wore out. I, I didn't say Did I say that? Three really big men, I'd be wore out. Ralph, you're rubbing off on me, son. And he, he also told him, he said, go out, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Wow. Jesus told y'all you, you were not only you could, but you were to heal the sick and raise the dead. Y'all think Jesus didn't know what he was talking about? 
creator of the universe. Put billions and trillions of stars and galaxies into place. And he turned to his disciples, I want you to go heal the sick and go raise the dead as you go. Number one, that's going to take a lot of faith. Number two, it's going to take a lot of power. And number three, the only place you can get both of those is in Jesus. So you'd better be plugged in. You'd better be tuned in. Jesus delegated. As a pastor, I believe in delegating. I, I, I'm not a pastor who believes that i got to do everything. I'm not a control freak. I believe in delegating. I believe in giving church people assignments and then letting them go do them, not taking it back from them. I, my, my pastoral style is, 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 is inspirational. My pastoral style is, is, is to look at Kelly and Robin and say, now I need you to go do this with the youth. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do it that way. I got it. No, no. Brother Bob knows better. Knows, no. My job is to pat them on the back and encourage them. I think they would admit to you a couple of years ago at one time they were getting a little bit frustrated. Things weren't happening. And what did I say to y'all? I think you're doing fine. Just stay consistent. Keep stay consistent. Consistency is the name of the game. Stay consistent. And now look what we had. They stayed consistent. I couldn't snatch it back from them. And then people in church say all the time in my other ear, Brother Bob, you know, yeah, yeah. no, they got it. I'm not going to give them the job and then snatch it back from them. That's not the way you, that's not the way you grow people in Christ. That's not the way the church grows. You can't have two or three people doing everything in the church. Because you got two or three doing everything in the church, everybody else leaves. And there goes the church growth. Right out the door. You know, people actually join churches because they actually want to be used. They actually want to do things. They want the church to, to, to assign them jobs and to delegate them responsibilities. They're here to serve. I have pastored too many churches in the past where people say, well, I said, why don't you get involved with this? Well, we can't. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they do all that. They don't let anybody else do anything. That ain't going to be true here. Jesus delegated and he sent them out. Then he did something, the other, the, the other part of, of six. Next week we close up with reproduction. But this week, supervision is the other part of that. Jesus sent them out on assignments. Two by two, and sometimes the 70 broke down two by two. He wanted to go in twos for their physical safety, for their spiritual. And beside the law said what? It takes testimony of two for something to be true. So they go out and people reject them, and people are going to reject them. People are going to castigate them. People are even going to kill them for the name of Christ. You do realize outside the United States, overseas, Christians are being killed every day for the cause of Jesus Christ. I mean killed. I mean butchered and murdered. We sit over in America and go, oh, when Brother Bob preaches there, everybody goes, oh, boring. Then go over there and take their place. Do you love Jesus that much? And so then we had supervision. Jesus would send them out. And the first time they came back, they were so excited. Jesus! Even the demons of hell answer to us. When we tell them, get out of that person. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. 
We exercised demons from people. Man, we did this. We healed this sick person. We did all the... Isn't it fantastic, Jesus? And you know what Jesus looked at them and said? It is fantastic. This is what I've wanted all along. This is what I've wanted. You don't know. I'd be the happiest pastor in Meade County if somebody came in church the next Sunday morning and said, Brother Bob, you ain't going to believe what happened this week. Why? Tell me what happened. I came across a neighbor of mine, and they had cancer, and the doctors had said they have no hope whatsoever. I laid hands on them, and they were healed. You know what? I'd look at you and say, Whoa, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Do it again. Go find another cancer patient. Brother Bob. This happened and that happened. Jesus was so excited that his disciples had caught the vision. That they had taken what he had taught them and breathed into them and given them and gone out and did it. That's what he was setting everything up for. So Jesus took off on another healing, preaching, uh, saving, uh, raising the dead uh, mission, and he sent them out to another area 20 miles away. And every time Jesus sent them out on a job, he made sure there was a time and an appointment time for them to get back together so he could see how it was going. Any of y'all ever done that? How many people baptized we turn into the association? Okay, now here's the point. If those 12 people aren't active in this church a year from now, we have failed them. We did not do discipleship. I see some of them here this morning, some of them not. If we baptize 50 in the next year, two years from now, all 50 need to be active in the church if we disciple them. Well, I don't know, Brother Bob. This sounds like it's going to take some time and effort energy. Well... Praise Jesus. He sure gave us the time, effort, energy on the cross. And when he raised from the dead. I can't give you all a quick fix, easy, lay on the couch, eat and stuff your face all day type of Christianity. I can't give that to you because that's not serving Jesus. That's taking an hour or two out of your time every week to disciple somebody. Spend time with them. Eventually give them a job to do. Give them a job in the church to do. Well, they ain't been disciples, Brother Bob. They ain't been a member for a year. Yeah, well, they can work. They, they can help the potlucks, can't they? Is, is that a great spiritual gift? They can clean the gym, can't they? They can, they can work beside you while you're fixing a meal for potluck. They can work beside you while you're doing... Uh, the unnoticeable jobs during vacation Bible school, they can, they can work beside you. So Jesus sent them off on another mission, and he came back from his second mission, and this time, uh-oh. Remember how excited they were when Jesus came back the first time? The second time Jesus came back, they're not excited at all. In fact, they're standing around. Uh-oh, how are we going to tell him? How are we going to tell Jesus that we failed? How are we going to tell Jesus that we flopped? How? Jesus? And guess what? There was a young boy there who was afflicted. They tried to heal him. 
And they couldn't heal him. And the, the father of the boy is beside himself because he just knew they were going to heal his son and they couldn't heal his son. And they were all despondent and down. Oh, how are we going, how are we going to tell Jesus that we, we flopped? You know, we healed a cancer person last time, but this time we can't even heal this boy that's full of something. Anybody know any teenage boys full of stuff? Yeah, but Carly, his is good stuff. Jesus looked at him and he healed the boy. Pow! Healed. And then what did he, under supervision, what did he tell his disciples? Jesus, why couldn't we do it again? Why did we fail? Because you didn't do enough fasting and praying. Now, people, if Jesus Christ, Son of God, who created the universe, had to spend time in, in, in his physical earthly body fasting and praying to get his power from the Heavenly Father, how on earth do we think we're going to have spiritual power without fasting and praying? How? Tell me how that happens. We have to fast. We have to pray. Power isn't, it isn't a trick. It isn't something you snap your fingers and heal. It isn't. That comes from fasting and prayer. It comes from fasting and prayer. You know? It reminds me of the old story of they had a big mega church, and boy, every time somebody came down that aisle, pow, man, that preacher hit them in the head, and they'd be healed and go back to the pew. Boy stood in line, he got down there, and that guy said, heal, pow, pow, hit him in the head. He went back to the back of the line, came back a second time. He came back a second time, preacher said, what you doing back up here? I thought you already been down here. He said, yeah, but now I need to be healed of my headache. So, I mean, it didn't work first time. What happened? Two-way street, I, gave, I, I, I give you that. Supervision. They're going to fail. Why are they going to fail? Why are new baby Christians in the first six months of their, their Christianity, why are they going to fail? Because they have an enemy. His name is Satan. He wants to beat them down and knock them down so they don't lead somebody else to Christ and disciple them. So he's on full attack after them. And the second thing is, they are what? They're human. People, I've been saved 47 years and I still fail Jesus at times. The 47 years, September 25th, September 25, 1971 is the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Coming up in a couple weeks, I'll be 47 in my spiritual life and I still fail Jesus. Number one, you think I don't have people that I put myself in accountability to who sit down with me and say, Brother Bob, you should have done this or maybe you should have done it that way. Sure I do. I place myself in accountability to people. People I trust. People I know who love me aren't just don't, don't want to have a critical spirit and just try to make themselves look good by putting me down. I don't trust those people. I trust the people I know who are going to share things with me because they love me. That's why I listen to Bill. 
That's why I listen to Alan. That's why I listen to them. I place myself in accountability under their supervision. Purposefully. Voluntarily. I need that checkpoint. And now I place myself in accountability to my wife. I need that accountability. I do that. I do it on purpose. Keeps me straight. Keeps me on the narrow road. Supervision. So Jesus delegated. He gave them jobs to do. You know, churches, we don't do very well at that. When Southern Baptist statistics tell us that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people and 90% of the giving is done by 10% of the people, that's not good. Those need to be reversed. Those need to be reversed. But one thing sometimes churches don't do well is they don't assimilate and take the new people and give them jobs to do. That is something me and our new deacons are going to do. We're going to come up with a plan for that. For those of you who weren't here last week, the, the four candidates for a deacon were all voted in, and uh, as well as Jack to be ordained for the ministry. So that all five of them passed. So we've got, and guess what? I've got jobs for them to do right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. If you think if you want to be ordained two weeks just so you can have the title, so it look good in your obituary, put that thought out of your mind. Don't ever let it back in there. <laughs> Me, Bill, Allen, we got things for y'all to do. <laughs> we got assignments to give away. We're gonna work you hard and put you up wet. Yeah. You're a one week out of the month. <laughs> I'll make you fishers of men. And then in Mark eight seventeen, Jesus looked at them and said, Do y'all not understand yet? Sit down. Let me go over it again. That's supervision. Let me go over it again. You know, sometimes it takes Christians three or four times to get it. That's okay. That's okay. Just be patient and love me. But be there for them. Be there for them. 